Hi friends, and welcome to Trauma and Triumph. This is a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories of powerful women who have taken their trauma and transformed it into triumph. I'm your host, Krista Janine, best known for my IG handle, Krista Janine, where I discuss health, wellness, social justice, single parenthood, and everything in between. But most importantly, where I discuss how we can all take trauma and transform it into triumph in our lives. During season one, you're going to meet a variety of amazing women who have overcome tremendous obstacles, setbacks, and trauma to become the extraordinary people they are today. On this week's episode, we have Charlotte Munn. Charlotte is a yoga student and educator for Body, Brain, and Spirit Solutions for Human Beings. She has been a full-time yoga teacher and facilitator since 2019. Awakening the truth through the ancient technology of yoga is her greatest joy. She is a seasoned facilitator of both the heart and science of yoga and is skilled at simplifying complex concepts for the modern practitioner with both depth and playfulness. In this week's episode, we go a little deeper into Charlotte's discovery of yoga and also how her past mental health struggles have led her directly into her spiritual path that she's on today. I would just like to say before you all get into this episode, trigger warning, we do discuss suicide. We also discuss self-harming. If that's too much for you today, feel free to come back to it at a later date or simply skip this episode and join us for our next round of trauma and triumph. So let's go ahead and take a deep breath and dive right on in. So thank you so much for doing this. I actually really appreciate it so, so, so much. Like these conversations so far have been amazing. I've done like five, I think. And everybody's story is so different, but impactful at the same time. And I'm, I'm actually really enjoying this. It's cathartic for me as well. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here to share a little bit about my story. Yeah. So diving right in, what was one trauma-centered event you've experienced that strikes you as the most pivotal moment? Well, one pivotal moment in your life. I appreciate the emphasis on one, because even when you ask the question, I'm sure me and people listening to you sort of go through a little journey through your life. And there's so many little things that pop up in that. And um, when you say impact, something that was pivotal, it was probably when I was 16 years old, it was sort of an, an accumulation of, of moments of trauma that I didn't even identify as trauma, right? Because when you're a child, it's just your life. Like you don't know any different. Exactly. And when I was 16, it, it sort of all came to a head and I tried to kill myself. Yeah. And um, I was unsuccessful. Obviously, here I am talking about it. Thank God. We're yeah. glad. We're glad you were unsuccessful with that. And um, at the time, it's interesting because the event itself doesn't even register as that big a deal. It was more what happened after that was really pivotal because I'd been suffering privately for a really long time. And I built this whole identity on being fine, like being the best at being fine, in fact. And um, when that happened, it all came out that I wasn't fine. Yeah. And the, and the side effect of that felt at the time like I'd ruined my life, which, you know, it's funny to say that because obviously I didn't have the will to live, so why would I care? But I also wasn't successful. So if I'd really wanted to, I probably would have, you know, you understand what I'm yeah. saying. So, yeah, right? I know. I'm, 
I was a child. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I 1000% understand what you're saying. But I think a lot of people who've never been in that space don't quite get it. Because for me, I'm like, yes, I have actually lived this experience. And it did seem like the worst thing because I was unsuccessful, right? Because then everything that transpired after it was like a direct result of this failed attempt to kill myself. Like I ended up not being able to go to the Peace Corps and I ended up not being able to do like all these things because I had like mental health issues, right? And it was frustrating because part of me was like, well, shit, I just wish it would have been over then. (laughs) Yeah, so I do, I get it. Thank you for saying that because it's very similar to my experience. So I was 16. I was going to a college prep boarding school um, that I was really excited to have done that because I felt like I'd gotten to grow up early and sort of like go live as a grown up. And um, they obviously kicked me out of school. Um, And because of that, because I had been so trying to earn my place in this world by being quote unquote successful based on the way I'd been taught that looked like all of a sudden that wasn't happening. So I'd, I'd had this trajectory planned for myself and as miserable as I was like, that was the way to do it. So when I got kicked out of school, everything, I was like, well, everything of oh, the domino effect of my entire plan for what my life would look like if I was alive now it is messed up. I'm not yeah. going to, you're not going to get into the colleges I want to go to, and I'm never going to do this and that. And, and no one is going to see me as this, this, uh, person that has it all together. Yeah. Um, uh, that's so, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I don't think people really understand how the mental health system in this country works and why so many people who have been in it and dealt with it don't want to re-enter that space because most people are like, oh, well, you know, if you, if you need help, get help. And it's like, that's a beautiful thing. And yes, being alive is great, but there's so much that's, that's a disconnect that it really does like ruin your life for, for lack of a better term while you're figuring it out and healing. And there should be some type of in-between that just doesn't exist, you know? Cause even for me, like I was, well, one of one of the times I attempted suicide, I was a senior in college and I, and my therapist wanted me to like admit myself that night. And I was like, look, dude, I have finals. Like, I know at least I'm going to live through finals right now because <laughs> like, and it's crazy because people are like, well, if you want to kill yourself, then why are you concerned about finals? And I'm like, you don't understand the the mental like space somebody like that is in especially a type a personality who has all these plans for their life and like even though it is taxing and stressful like well if I am going to be here if you do want me to stay alive like these are the things I need to do before I come get help because to your point when you don't you know that it's like there are still consequences to your actions. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize, right? And especially for people like us, who even though it's like, well, maybe you weren't like as spiritual at a younger age, you still had a cognizant reality of like, there's more to the world than just me. Like everything is not centered around me. And like, there are consequences to my actions if I don't do X, Y, and Z. So I'm so glad you're bringing that up because people really don't understand the full scope of that. Totally. And it was interesting because even 
even when it was sort of out that I was not okay, I still wanted to control it. In fact, the way it went down was really hurtful for me because the first thing I did was I actually told someone that was like a peer, like another child and was like, I think I'm ready to like ask for some help because like clearly I'm not okay. But I still was incredibly so mad at her when she did the responsible thing and went and told an adult. Right. Right. I was like, I was, I just like, was like my, you now, now it was her, you've ruined my life because I wanted to control this narrative myself, even in this way. And um, I, you know, I doubt that she's listening to this. I haven't talked to her since, but you know, thank you. Thank you. Thanks (laughs) Thanks for keeping me alive, friend. Yeah, Mm. totally. And um, so, yeah, there it is. What else? What else do you want to know, Krista? I know. It's so funny, though, that you brought up the fact that you had learned how to like appear okay. Because I had a, a psychiatrist say that to me. She was like, I know that you know how to like direct the narrative of your life to make everybody around you think that it's okay but like she was like I know you're not okay so you can't do that here and I was like I was so offended when she said that to me but I think that was a part of like my reality of finally being seen and even though I was offended it felt good to be like seen and acknowledged for the fact that I wasn't okay so what was your journey of like healing you know after that moment I love that you just said that because, you know, I'd been in therapy my entire life up to that point. My parents got divorced when I was five. And one of the first things they did was start sending us to therapy. But therapy for me was the place where I got to go in and just convince everyone I was fine. Like that was the goal. And that's what I did. So when all this went down and I, I saw my life as being over in terms of like, I got kicked out of school and the whole, the whole plan crumbles. Um, I actually started using therapy. So, you know, the next therapist that I saw when I moved back home and left school was someone I was like actually ready to talk to her and like not lie and like tell the truth. And I'd been a a self mutilator for years and nobody knew about it to like actually start to unpack what that looked like and like actually have a dialogue with her to the point that like I I always credit I had two amazing therapists in my life. I had her and then I had another one in my 20s and like without them, I wouldn't be who I am now. And then I also know that talk therapy can only get you so far, right? So I wouldn't be where I am without it. And that was what I needed at that time. So yeah, to the point that at some point, like maybe six months later, like I was still not well, like just because I hadn't been successful in my attempt didn't mean that all of a sudden I had a will to live. But at that point, I was more open to wanting to feel better to the point that I was able to say, like sitting in a session with her, like, I don't feel safe with myself. Yeah. Um, to the point that I spent a week in a mental hospital and going in, I was like, I know this is what I need because I am not, I cannot not like, not everyone can hide all the sharp objects all the time. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and what I learned from that experience was that that's not really a place of healing. It's a place to keep you away from sharp objects. So it totally served its purpose and it served its purpose while, the medication that they put me on actually, you know, takes a while for that stuff to start to work until I actually started to feel better. You know, I was able to stop like, because back then, you know, I, I'm assuming with the title of this podcast that everyone assumes a trigger warning. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was nice to be in a, a place with no sharp objects, but then, you know, like that when I was able to basically stop rocking and like start yeah. to feel like I was stable, 
then, you know, I was able to go home, but um, it took, it took a while. And what I learned from that experience, because about three days into being in the hospital, I just wanted to get the fuck out of the hospital. And that became the goal because it didn't feel like a healing place. It just felt like they were just keeping me away from the things that I could hurt myself with. And so I, I was exposed while I was in there to this phrase, coping strategies. Right. <laughs> like, and then they gave me one thing to take with me. <laughs> coping strategies. And what's funny is that at that time, when I think coping strategies, the coping strategy was just like, you cannot do that behavior. If yeah. you do that behavior, look what happens. If you don't yeah. want to be, if you don't want to be here in this mental institution, your coping strategy is you have to remove those things from the table. Yeah. like off the table. So at a certain point, I made some sort of deal with myself that like, we are not, we are not cutting anymore. That is not an appropriate way to handle whatever experience you don't understand that you're going through. Like that is off the table. We're not doing that. Yeah. But I didn't actually feel like I got other skills other than actually being able to talk about how I was really feeling. Like it got me out of hiding and that was healing. So we all have to learn how to tell our own stories out loud first. And so I learned how to do that during that period. But after that, there's more that has to be done. And that's sort of where the yoga comes in for me, because I feel like my whole life now is searching for the best coping strategy that doesn't even feel like a coping strategy. Where is a coping strategy (laughs) for dealing with all of the postures and feelings of life? that doesn't just feel like coping, but that actually help solve whatever the feeling is that you feel like you need to cope with. Yeah. So, you know, I went from that to like being an artist, you know, I made theater art for a long time, but even that felt like I was just exploring the human experience and how messed up it was. It wasn't really solution-based. Right. And so it wasn't until I found yoga and not, and I don't mean the postures when I say yoga, I mean the philosophy. When I found the philosophy of yoga, that was when I really started to shift towards wow, this is actually a lifestyle that could be a coping strategy for me. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I feel like, and I don't think I realized how similar our stories were because I remember the first time I was admitted for a 72-hour hold, I was like, oh, this is bullshit. I'm never coming back here again. And it wasn't even like, oh, I want to be better. It was like, I'm never coming back here again. Like nothing about this. And once again, especially when you're aware of so much more than just yourself and you know how to play the game, it's like, oh, bruh, like whatever I have to do to not be here, I'm never coming back here again. And for me, what it turned into is I'm not telling anybody ever again if I ever feel this way. It wasn't like, oh, if I need help, I'm, I know who to reach out to. It's like, oh, if I need help, well, I guess I'm just going to kill myself next time because I'm never coming back here. And I feel like that is such a detriment to so many people who could use that time away and really heal. But once again, this goes back into like how the medical system in America is set up where it's like all like pathology based for lack of a better term and it's like what drugs can I give you to make sure you're like zoned out and you don't want to feel this way or you know how can I diagnose you real quick and my entire mission when I was there to just get out of there and never go back and even though I did end up having to go back like later in my 20s I was there for less than 24 hours because I knew what to do 
to get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it wasn't even like in a good way. Cause I was still self-harming after I was admitted the first time. And like, I was a cutter for a long time after that. And I just learned how to hide it better. And I learned how to not talk about, you know, it with people who I knew would say something about it or at all, you know? And it's so interesting that like, our like stories are similar because it's not even like I was helped while I was there like I can't say that being admitted to the hospital like you said like yes there were no sharp objects I couldn't hurt myself while I was there but literally the first thing I did when I got out was go buy a bottle of alcohol like you know what I mean like it was one of those things where there was nothing about being in that space that incited a healing journey for me yes which is why I am so passionate now about like an integrative approach to everything yeah. Because there's no one solution for anything. And in fact, we need to be looking at, at all the categories of our life and all the categories of healing modalities that are out there to make ourselves our own delicious recipe for what it is. And for yeah. some people, it is medication. Medication helped me for a long time until I felt like I was ready to move on from it. So I'm not medicated now. And I know there's some people that like that will be part of their recipe forever. Yeah. And I also know like I would not be okay if I didn't have my spirituality now. I, I, I mean, when I tried to kill myself when I was 16, I was a full on atheist. Like I had like, I mean, I actually think that was part of it. Knowing that like yeah. my spirituality is like the center of my life now. Yeah. It feels so different to be alive because I didn't, I just did not see the point. So if I've always yeah. been on this quest to try to understand why, what the meaning of life is to try to make it worth like interesting enough to want to do it. Yeah. I couldn't find that anywhere. And, it, and, and the first place I found it, found it where it felt right to me was in the yoga space. Yeah. And so when I started to understand spirituality separate from religion and started to cultivate like my own intimate understanding of what something greater is, that's when things really started to shift for me. But again, it's not like just that. It's like a recipe of all the things, which is, you know, <laughs> what I love about yoga is it like, is like has all these different ingredients and you can make yourself your own little concoction of what you need to to move forward and it's changed over the years and I'm sure it will change over the years but a little bit of everything and and not the same for anyone this one size fits all approach to anything is just a bunch of bullshit in my opinion no I agree and I think it's so funny because yoga was the same thing for me but I found myself being mad at God right I was like why would you put me in these situations why would you let this be my life why did you have me born into this family and it was never like I didn't believe in God but I was just angry at him all the time right until I discovered yoga and the spiritual side of even my religion which they don't you know talk about in church which is like crazy to me but that was the shift for me as well was really tapping into my spirituality because before that I was just angry at God all the time I was like this sucks and then this whole concept of like you know suicide being the ultimate sin I was like well you put me in this situation so like if that is indeed it like oh well like you know what I mean like this was like these were the conversations I would like be having with God in prayers because there's so much disconnect between religion and spirituality on so many levels which is why I feel like people who do even grow up in the church end up becoming atheists because it's like where is the actual connection to your higher power and even in that from like you know being 16 and even until now like what has your spiritual and mental and emotional growth been through that process 
Well, you know, it's funny because when it all happened, I thought that I'd ruined my life, but actually now I can draw a straight line to my life now, which I really love and I'm so grateful for to that incident. Yeah. Right. Like, like a domino effect. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have gotten kicked out of school. If I hadn't been kicked out of school, I wouldn't have gone to this other school instead. If I hadn't gone to this other school, I wouldn't have met that dude that I followed to college. I never would have gone to that college. Yeah. I never would have met that girl who took me to my friend, Emily, who took me to Boulder for the first time. It was when I was in yeah. Boulder that I got into yoga. Like my whole life would have been different. So I, I like, I was drawn to my understanding of, of, of God or source consciousness because that happened, not directly. It's not like I was in the mental yeah. hospital and had some sort of spiritual awakening or something. But yeah. like, if my life had gone the way I had planned it to go, I still might be really miserable. Yeah. So what it did was it changed the trajectory of my life where I no longer felt like I needed to be the best Ivy League, most perfect everything. And that opened up more freedom for me to actually do what made me happy. Yeah. To like make the kind of art that made me happy to go to a college that I wanted to go to instead of one that looked really good on paper to, to you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it, cause I had kind of been like, well, I've already failed. I might as well do what <laughs> I want. Like I'm, I'm one of those people that has to coach myself to try to be more mediocre because like, that's what I know I need to not well, push myself too hard. So it gave me that permission <laughs> to loosen my grip on things and change the trajectory of my life, which inevitably brought me to my spirituality. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's like, we don't often take those moments to draw the direct correlation to where we are, right? Because sometimes people are like, oh, I just ended up here. And it's like, no one just ends up anywhere. There is a string of events that happens that takes us to wherever we end up in life. But we never sit back and say, oh, this was the thing that that made me turn right instead of left, you know? And we all have those moments in life. And I think it's so powerful for you to say, no, I know like this is what this did and that didn't, you know, so on and so forth. Because so many people are sitting in their lives right now and asking themselves how they ended up here. And it's like, if you do reverse engineering, you can figure out how you ended up exactly where you are. And I think that's beautiful. And it also helps me moving forward because in terms of like stabilizing my mental and emotional health, it's made me realize that first of all, I do not have as much control as I wish I did. And, and now that actually is a relief to me. Like I have more trust that, that, that everything is intelligently designed anyway. Like otherwise how would like once upon a time we were single celled organisms and like now we're talking on zoom, like, you know what I mean? Like there's an intelligent yeah. force behind all of this. So it's yeah. made me realize that there's something happening beyond me and I can just trust that. And it also helps me in hard moments because if, if I can say, wow, trying to kill yourself, it doesn't get much worse than that. So if that's one of the hardest times in my life and I can draw a straight line from that to my awesome life now, then when hard times are happening now, hard moments are happening now, I know that there can be a straight line from that to whatever continued evolution that I have in my life. So it just makes me less fearful of the ups and downs of life because when I was as down as it got, it actually was the gateway to me living a life that is, oh my gosh. I mean, I used to think about being my age now when I was a kid and think about how miserable I'd be. Yeah. Never in, oh. my, life, never in my life did I imagine being the age that I am now and, and being half, like actually being happy. And yeah. Like saying that is like a lot, like feels like a lot for me right now. Um, yeah. And it just makes me feel really grateful. No, and I, and I get that. And I think, and thank you for sharing, because I feel like 
so many of us like sit in that space of like when I was a teenager I was like I'm not gonna live past 30 so I was like in a hurry to do so much stuff and one of my best friends like asked me one day she's like why do you do so much and why are you in such a hurry to do so many things and like we really had a moment and I was like because I don't think I'm gonna be here past 30 so in my mind I'm like I have 14 more years to do everything that I'm gonna do in life to like make an imprint and then I'm not going to be here, you know? And I don't, when you don't have that mindset and when you don't like have an understanding of what that feels like, it doesn't make sense. You're like, you're so young and like, you know, whatever, but it really is like an anxiety and like a weight on you to do all the things that you're supposed to do when you feel like, oh, well, when I get to this point, it's all over, right? It's like, when I hit this point, it's all over. So if I don't do it now, you know, and you're running a race for no reason. That's it. it, it yeah, it's it's so, it's, it's so interesting to have this conversation with you because I feel like if you've never like sat in these spaces, you don't know what that mindset is like. And a lot of people think like, oh, well, people are just looking for attention or, oh, well, people are just standing out there. And it's like, nah, bro, it's not even an attention thing. It's And sometimes for me, it was like, I don't even want attention. I want everybody to leave me alone. I was just saying, <laughs> I, I just wanted to be left alone. In fact, one of the great things that happened because I'd been, you know, uh, academics was very important to my family. I'd always gone to private school. So it wasn't until I got kicked out of this prestigious boarding school, I went to public school for the first time. It was seen, well, I perceived it at the time as my family seeing it as a failure. I, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me because there was this feeling of an, like being anonymous that I actually really appreciated. Like there, I didn't feel like I was being watched as carefully. I didn't feel like the pressure was so high. I downgraded from like the fancy diploma to like the normal diploma. That's like perfectly, right. and it felt like such a weight was lifted off of my shoulders at the time. Yeah. And so I wanted to just be left alone and actually being left alone a little more was part of my healing, which I know sounds yeah. weird because it's not, I know we cannot heal in isolation, but it allowed me to not perform how I thought I was supposed to be for everyone. And instead yeah. just seek out the, the actual support I needed from the right people. Yeah. And I mean, and that's so funny because I, I tell people that too. I like, you know, when you're constantly surrounded by people that just don't get it, you do want to be left alone because you get to the point where it's like, I'm tired of trying to explain to you what I'm experiencing in my lived like reality because then I'm just like re-triggering myself all the time, right? It's like, you do want to just kind of go into a cocoon and just like be by yourself. And then when you're ready to re-emerge, then you slowly start to find the right people. And I feel like for me, I'm having like those moments right now where there's like still people from my past that are like lingering about almost like cobwebs, if you will. And like, I'm cleaning out the attic still, even from like college and high school. And, you know, and the family is a whole different dynamic. Cause it's like, you can't really clean them out. Like they're with you forever, but just figuring out how to manage those relationships so you aren't constantly triggered. Like my family is a great source of anxiety for me, no matter what I'm going through. If I have to be around them, it's like, 
I have to get mentally prepared to be around my family because it's triggering. Anyway, sorry. And then, and, then we'll, and then what we learn is that the only thing you can really do in that situation <clears throat> is monitor your own inner world and inner behavior in response to those things. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, the more I, but I learned that like I needed to release control. The only thing I can control is myself and my own yeah. reactions and, and creating a life for myself that feels most supportive. So I can enter any situation regardless of how it feels and, and have a sense of inner, inner stability. So that's sort yeah. of, you know, that's my goal in my life is just to, to have as many tools for inner stability so that I can handle the fluctuations of having a human life. Yeah. And dealing with the other people because <laughs> you have to, like, as much as I would love to like, be like, let me go be like a hermit somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Like that's just not my reality. So it is, it's so interesting, but, and this is something like I struggle with still to this day, because I feel like since I was so attached to like self-harm and like was depressed from such a young age, that it's still a part of me and it's easy for me to like fall back into those habits and have to talk myself out of it. You know what I mean? And I equate it to like being an addict and people are like, well, what are you talking about? I'm like, look, when things happen in my life, my initial thought is always either self-harm or I don't need to be here anymore. And then I have to go through a process of being like, that's not the answer to like be okay. But, and once again, that's just my personal experience, but I do, I equate it to being an addict and how addicts have to constantly tell themselves doing drugs is not the option. Like, you know, alcoholics, drinking is not the coping mechanism you go to because it is, you do have to tell yourself, don't do that. You know what I mean? Cause it is so like inherent to who you are, especially when you started at such a young age. So do you feel like you have to like talk yourself off the ledge often? First of all, thank you for sharing that. And no, if you ever want to talk to anyone about it, I'm here. Thank you. That's one thing. Number two is, yes, I still have those feelings, but my yoga studies have done something interesting (laughs) to those impulses, which is that I'm no longer afraid of not having a super strong will to live because the yoga system actually says that part of the wheel of suffering is having too strong of a will to live. Oh, wow. So I've actually, so Abhinivesha, right? Which is the will to go on or fear of death. Fear of death is one of those things that reinforces attachment and and, and reinforces ego attachment. Yeah. So if part of liberation from the yoga lineage is releasing attachment, seeing death as as natural as birth. Like we see birth is so celebrated in our culture, but death is seen as this sad thing. They are both equally natural and both equally profound and both are definitely going to happen if you have a life. Right, right. So, So when I have those feelings of like, I wouldn't even call them suicidal feelings, but just like not feeling strongly about needing to live. Yeah. I actually almost have harnessed that as a spiritual power. Yeah. Because I actually see it almost as me evolving. Like maybe actually my little soul always knew that. And, and because of the world I was in, it turned into self-harm and suicide because I didn't understand it. But now I have a, a broader understanding of how that could actually fit into a bigger picture. And I don't even mean big picture of my life, but I'm like big picture of like, what is all of this? Like, what is all of this? What is the universe? What are the other, like, what is all of this? And yeah. realizing that me not having 
this clinging to life, the fact that like I would I would be okay if I were to die tomorrow and I can actually, yeah. I really mean that. Other yeah. people would say like, you need psychological help. And I would say it actually feels like freedom. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because like in regards to other people, I have a friend, like one of my best friends and she and I are always on the same page of like, death is not the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And people do, they think we're crazy. They think we're like morbid, but we're like in the grand scheme of things, like death is not, I can think about a lot more things that are worse than, than I'm actually, death. I'm actually, cause we're in it. I'm actually kind of excited. I'm not trying to rush it. Right. I'm really enjoying my life. I'm enjoying the sensory experience. And I think I have some work to do and I want to help other people Right. because my life is, you know, I want to help provide the tools that were provided for me, but like, I'm really, I'm interested. Yeah. And you're never going to know what it's like until it happens. <laughs> and not that we're promoting suicide people, like no. everyone listening in, no. but it is that sense of like, there is so many things that are worse than death. And here's what I think. Existential questioning is neither good nor bad. And I think sometimes it is put in bad because existential questioning can lead to people questioning if they want to live. And I think people that may be in that space, I would just invite them to say that there's other ways to view that. And you could actually harness it as a power that could help you grow and expand your experience in this life. Yeah. And help you understand that like, there is a sense of loss every time you evolve. And I think that's the space that I'm like in right now where it's like, I'm grieving like things that I don't have anymore. But even though I'm grieving those things, I'm still very grateful and happy with where I am. And there's a constant death and rebirth that happens in our lives. It's a cyclical thing. Um, Even from a hormonal standpoint, like, every seven years, our hormones change in our bodies and we become different people because of those hormonal hormonal changes. And this is like a, a physical thing. You know what I mean? Like this is physiology. This isn't even just like me being like a spiritual, like, you know, weirdo, <laughs> but we do, we're constantly going through these spans of like rebirth and death and rebirth and death. And I think when you're younger and you experience it, you're like, what is this? I don't want to be so aware of this reality. And I think for me, a lot of my frustration being younger is because I was so aware of so many things and I didn't want to be, I wanted to be naive and like, be like all of my friends. I didn't want to experience life in the way that I was experiencing it. And that's what led to a lot of my like depression and self-harm and even suicidal ideations. Cause I was like, this isn't fair. I don't want to experience this right now. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, it was great to have those experiences when I was younger. Cause now I can manage adulthood way better, you know? Totally. I actually am often grateful <clears throat> that, that the worst times in my life were early on, like as sad as that is to be like, well, my childhood d- d- didn't feel like a lot of other people's. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm not alone in that, you know, because there are a lot of people out there that feel that way. Um, I'm glad to have had those experiences so that I could learn what I needed to and take those experiences and, and harness them for the kind of adult life that I am creating for myself. Yeah. No, I had a therapist tell me that once. She was like, we're all going to experience 
the ups and downs of life and like the bad stuff life has to offer. And she was like, throughout her years of experience as a therapist, she's like, it's actually easier when you're younger because you're developing into the person you're supposed to be as opposed to when it happens when you're in your 20s and 30s and life hits you. It's harder for those people to to reestablish themselves and regroup because their whole lives have been like this walk in the park for lack of you know a better term she's like it's so much harder when you're older to experience the things that the negative side of life right or the evil side of life or you know the dark side of the moon if you will she's like people who have to deal with it younger their lives are better in the long run but people that it hits them later in life it's so much harder for them to regroup and I was like thank you yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and for the people going through it who are older, there's still hope. <laughs> yes, the there parents. is still hope. <laughs> and you know what? And for the parents, I'm thinking this too, because, you know, I have parents in my life that have teenagers that are struggling. And whenever I hear that, I know how painful it is having been one of those teenagers. But mm-hmm. I also, am just always saying like, just listen, let them be themselves. And like, it's, it, 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 it can be okay. Yeah. The same yeah. therapist said to me, she was like, you know what? The, she almost like used the analogy of like it's a whole like the more bad quote-unquote things you experience it opens you up to experience so much more good in your life on the other side it just like opens you up to really receive so much more positivity when you have experienced so much negative things especially at a younger age it gives you the space to experience the good because you know what the bad looks like plus there's enough people in this world that there's so many people out there that like, how many years have I known you? Over a decade. And I didn't know this about you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel more connected to you now because you know, I now know that we have more in common. And um, so even our times become connection pieces. Absolutely. And we're all just trying to like figure out like this life thing. It's it's crazy. It's super stressful sometimes. So, but from that experience though, like, what do you feel like you've learned about yourself the most from that, you know, trajectory of where you were to where you've been? Like, what has that, I don't know, unfolding of yourself been like for you? To not measure my success based on other people's opinions or my external world and to really prioritize my internal world. Because for my entire childhood, my internal world was a secret and it didn't look anything. Well, that's not true. I was, you know, I'm sure it came out in some ways, but my under, my experience of it was that it was totally private Yeah. and um, I was really suffering. And so now I'm more interested in how it feels to live my life than how it looks to live my life. Yeah. And that I have to remind myself of that all the time, all the time, because it's easy to get caught up in. I wonder from the outside how this looks of how I'm doing this or how I'm teaching or how I'm running my business. And like, should I be doing this differently based on what I see other people doing? So it became an early anchor point that, that it doesn't matter how successful I look on the outside of how on the inside is doesn't feel good. So if I prioritize what's going to feel good, then the side effect can be the outside will look however it wants. So if that means some people think I'm bonkers or some people think that I'm not a success, like, oh, wow, she really didn't follow through with what she said she was going to do. I work to not prioritize that because I'm the one that has to live my life and they are not. Yeah. Oh, my. That's so powerful. And that's something that I do struggle with, especially because like 
I guess technically I'm a social media influencer, but like, I feel like sometimes the reality that people think I exist in is not at all my actual reality. And I do, I sit in a space sometimes of being like, am I putting things out there that's not realistic? But then I'm like, no, I'm being my authentic self, but how people receive that is different, right? Yes, that's their story though. So even if I think about that, I'm like the people's opinions (laughs) that I used to feel like my worthiness or deserving of love was based on that. Even my parents, that's just, they're just humans too. That's just based on their own story and their own trauma and, and how they were taught to live their lives. So so even that, like I just say, like, you know, anyone's opinion of you is more than their opinion of themselves. Yeah. Uh, My, my, one of my teachers says, um, people can only understand things from their own consciousness state. Yeah. If people have an opinion about what you're doing, it actually says more about them than it does about you in my opinion. And you know what? And I'm literally going through that, like, internal work myself because I just like had a friend break up recently and as I'm unfolding in my mind it's exactly what you said like a lot of the things she was saying to me were her like it was her projecting her own like lived experience onto me and her own reality onto me and her own like for lack of a better term shallow you know existence on to other people and she's done it to other people as well and I really you know because you're hurt because like oh this is my friend but then the moment you do like detach yourself from the situation and kind of look at it from a bird's eye view you're like oh this doesn't have anything to do with me exactly exactly I feel like I need to add an asterisk though real quick to this comment because people out there in the world I think misunderstand this don't worry what people think of you thing because Mm -hmm. I do first have an intention to not do harm to anyone. Right. I feel like you and I know that in this conversation, but just for anyone listening, I want to add that. It doesn't mean that if I, if someone says you have harmed me in some way that I'm like, that's just their own thing. Like that's not (laughs) right. Cause there's a lot of that in the world. So like, of course my intention is to be a good person and do no harm, do the least amount of harm possible. And in fact, do good. Other than that, what people think about how I'm living my life is their business and not mine. Yeah. And also just to caveat this story, and that's why I think it's so funny you just said that, is because everything that she was upset about didn't have anything to do like with me doing something to her. It had to do with how I was living my life. I'm sure. <laughs> like, Because I was like, what, it, you know how you go through the motions? Like, did I do something to you? Did I offend you? If, you know, I'm sorry. That was the whole thing is like, I'm sorry if I did something that offended you, if I hurt your feelings, but like, you got to let me know if I hurt your feelings. But literally everything she was giving me was about me. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand why you're so upset. Well, that's it. And naturally that's it. What you just said is like, you just described a beautiful template for like, well, how do you determine that? Well, first you do the self-inquiry. Like, did I do something? Then you ask. And then if what you're getting back is more just opinions, then they're more just reporting on their own consciousness state. Yeah. It was the most bizarre experience. Cause I kept digging too. Cause you know, I'm like trying to figure things out. And it was like, it was just all about me and like, and so much all about me and nothing in regards to her or something I had done to her. And I was just like, this actually doesn't make sense. My head hurts now. So I quit. Yeah. But it's also making me think about what you said earlier about loss, because, you know, when I talk about like how my life has changed since when I was a child and now, like, I don't have a lot of friendships from like a long time ago because I changed so much. Yeah. And part of change, like part of my evolution as, and my, my life feels better 
but I've had to let people go along the way because they weren't vibing with where I was trending. Like it was just yeah. was like conflict in that. And like, I want them to do whatever they want and I'm going to do right. what works for me. And those things don't always go together. So I have a lot, I have amazing people in my life, but a lot of them are from, I don't know. It's sort of like pre-yoga and post-yoga. Yeah. And I mean, I completely feel that. And, and I want you to kind of like dig into that aspect of loss too, because I don't think people really understand that even though, cause I still have pictures of that person around my house and like, you know, with my son. And I don't want people to feel like you have to act like these people were so horrible. You have to completely X them out of your lives. Like they're still a part of your story. And I feel like in our generation, like this cancel culture, it's like, up, oh, you're not in my life anymore. I'm deleting you from my timeline and every aspect of my life. But for me, it just doesn't seem authentic to who I am as a person to be like, you never existed. No, they're memories. In yeah. fact, I, what I'd like to remember with the people that I'm not as close with anymore, it's not even necessarily that we had falling outs. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean? it's even just like, wow, we outgrew each other. Yeah, and, and literally. You're still a part of my story. And that's like, I actually love them for that. Yeah. I just like, I'm not going to try to force something to, I'm not going to force people to change in the same way that I am because everyone has their own internal world. So if yeah. we're all prioritizing ha- wanting to feel feel good and be people that do no do no harm in this world, then it's going to look different for everyone because the universe is diverse. Yeah, it is. And everybody's lived experience is so different. And everybody's like trajectory of growth is different. And I feel like so often we hold on to people because we've known them for so long, right? It's like, this is my childhood friend and I can't let go of them. But at some point with certain people, it's like all you have is all these years and you have no other connection besides the fact I've been friends with you since I was four years old. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's no way to experience people in real time. And, you know, like uh, my husband is friends with a bunch of people from when he was a kid. And I think that's super cool too. So it's not yeah. even to say that like, but it's figuring out who still, who still is serving you in how you are now and how are you yeah. still serving the friendship as well. So I don't exactly. know. No, and I feel like that's such a great space to be in because everybody isn't meant for the long term, but everybody who's in your life is meant to serve you in that space for a reason right and every it's it's like that scripture right every fruit has its season and all fruits aren't going to be in season all year long you know and you have to be okay with transitioning in and out of relationships and not feel like somebody's done you harm or done wrong towards you just because you guys have outgrown each other to your point Oh, I love that. And every fruit nourishes you differently, right? Has a yeah. different makeup of, of, you know, vitamins and minerals. And I don't know, yeah. I'm not a nutritionist, but all that, all that's like, they all, they all feed you differently. So let's yeah. not, you know, so I like that. Yeah. I'm sorry you're going through this breakup, but I'm also happy that, that you're both evolving. You know, and I'm just at a space too, where I'm just like, I'm in a weird in-between space. I'm, I am. I'm in the midst of a transition. It's a very interesting space to sit in. I, I will say that because, yeah, I'm definitely, but I see, and this is why I love like growth and like really being in tune with your spiritual reality because I see where I'm going, but I also see why other things are happening in the, in the meantime, so it's like that that balancing act of being like, I understand why this happened, even though it sucks, but 
I also see like the path so very clearly. So it's that it's that weird in between of of understanding, but also like grieving at the same time. I um I've seen that in you, and it's something I've always really admired. Yeah, it's a it's a weird space to live in. Let me tell you, me and God have a lot of conversations yeah. about how helps it I am with him off. <laughs> Yes. Like what's going on, bro? Like why why is he gotta be this way? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But that being said though, what advice would you give to somebody that's kind of going through this space of like rediscovering themselves, you know, for lack of a well, not even lack of a better term, just really in that space of rediscovery? Stay curious. Stay curious and try new things. I used to make fun of people that did yoga. Well, up until I actually started practicing regularly and it was a secret from all my friends because it was such a departure from the kind of person I was. And it wasn't until I've been practicing like every day for a year and I decided to do a teacher training that I was like, uh, I can't meet you for beers till later because I have this thing. (laughs) And people were like, why are you being so weird? What is this thing? And I was like, I'm in a yoga teacher training, okay? And they were like, what? So what I would say is stay curious and don't be afraid to try new things. I tried other things and it wasn't that. But if you're in a process of rediscovering yourself, it means that you have to give yourself permission to explore things that you didn't identify with previously. Because sometimes we put ourselves in a box of this is what our life needs to look like. This is who I am. We get really attached to that personality or identity. And if that identity isn't feeling good, like if your life isn't feeling good, you have to be okay with letting some of those things go or hold them more loosely. And that's scary because then you're like, how do I, who am I if I don't know what I'm into? Go out, and experiment. go out and experiment, talk to different kinds of people, try different activities, try sitting and doing nothing and see what comes up. Yeah. There's enough of that. And, um, and know that, that everyone has ups and downs. So, you know, it's normal. We're all just, we're all just doing our best. Yeah. Did you ever have a moment of being so attached to who you were that you were afraid to grow and change? 100%. 100%. When I moved, so I became a yoga teacher. I moved to Chicago right after that. And my plan was still to do theater. That's part of why I picked Chicago because Chicago is a great theater town. Yeah. Um, and then I just never did it. I just never yeah. did it. All the jobs I got were yoga jobs and one thing led to another, but that was really hard because I went through a whole period of people worrying that people thought I just hadn't been successful and quit. Mm-hmm. First of all, who cares? who cares? Okay. The theater world is hard. Who cares? Second of all, that's not what happened, but it was hard for me to let go of that because my identity from when I forever was like a, like a theater kid. That was like what I always did. So I didn't know who I was without that. Yeah. Um, so that, that was really hard because I had to not only let go of who I was and identifying in that way, but I also had to let go of my concerns about what everyone would think about that choice because that's how everyone knew me. Yeah. It was scary. Um, it was scary. And I have to be honest, it still comes up for me every once in a while now. I don't miss it. Yeah. You know, I'm married to an actor, so I'm still in that world. I love it yeah. being there as a, as a audience member. It's like my favorite. Yeah. Um, but it still comes up once in a while. Like, oh wait, did I, did I oh no, wait, remember you're way happier. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's oh, yeah. fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> no. Cause yeah, I, I get that too. Cause I grew up in a very like, um, 
cerebral world, if you will. Like all my friends grew up and became engineers and like legit, I have friends that are like rocket scientists. And that just wasn't who I was. And not that I'm not like smart or of equal intelligence, but that's just not, I understand their world and what they do. And like, I can speak their language, but that just wasn't my language. And now as an adult living the life I live, I do. I'm like, ah, I'm sure people think like I'm a failure <laughs> because I'm not an engineer, you know? <laughs> and it, it it's so, it's so weird living in that space of being like, girl, you did not want to do that. Relax. <laughs> exactly. I think your life is awesome. When I look at just, I know it doesn't matter, but right. just balance it out. When I look at your life, I'm like, her life looks awesome and she's awesome. And she looks highly successful to me. Yeah. And you know, I do stuff. I do stuff. I'm not going to say I just sit at the house and twiddle my thumbs by any means, but, yeah, but even I if do. you did, even if you did, you would be an impressive person while you did it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate that. But it is nice to hear that I'm not the only one that like has to remind myself that the choices I made were for a very specific reason. And I could be living a different life if I wanted to, but like I chose this specifically and for a reason. And in fact, at any time it could be, I'm, I'm 37 and a half, which means yeah. I probably have a little bit more life left. So who knows? Yeah. It also means that I'm open to changing my mind at any time. Yeah. And that's your prerogative. And we don't have to be attached to like the space that we're in. And people get so attached to where they are. And I think I'm finally at a, a phase where I'm no longer attached to being what people like want me to be or just doing one thing. I'm not a one person of one thing type of person in my whole life I forced myself to try to like do one thing really good and just focus on one thing and I was miserable <laughs> like literally miserable and I think it's great to have that space of like the possibility of growth whether it happens or not like you're open to whatever the next step is and I think that is why I've had so much success in life because I am always open to like whatever happens it's fine <laughs> It, it all happens for a reason. I know because one of the most inspiring things that I've seen happen in several years is when you had that apartment fire and the way you responded to that will never leave me. That, that, you know, what's funny about the fire because my episode of this like first season is the last episode. And I'm sure a lot of people are expecting me to be like, that's my pivotal moment. That's not my pivotal moment by uh, any scope no, of imagination. I, I, didn't, I actually didn't think it was. It was just like a, a big thing that, yeah. that you're able to say that about because for other people it, it would be, but you're like, oh, that's a thing that happened. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Yeah. That was the thing that happened. Yeah, absolutely. It was a thing that happened. And because of everything else I had lived before that moment, that's why I was able to handle that moment the way I did. Correct. I, that is what I saw. And it was really inspiring. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It'll be a fun episode to do. I don't, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I, I look forward to hearing it. It will. It will be an interesting story. So wrapping everything up, what would you say if someone asked you, what is the journey of trauma to triumph? Being yourself. 1000%. (laughs) Yeah, that is so real. I love that because that is where it takes you. It takes you on that path of like really living your most authentic life. Yeah. Oh, fun. 
Okay, well, this is the actual fun part of it. I've had so much fun talking to you. Like, so all of, and not that this wasn't like a deep, deep episode, but I feel like this was more of like what happens after you really kind of release yourself from your trauma. Because our my other episodes to this point have been like super deep and intense. And like, this one has been like, what the possibilities are like when you're free of the trauma completely. I and am, I love I, that. I have been working so hard and also so easily. And of course things still come up, but I'm glad that that's what you're feeling. Cause that's what it feels like. Even preparing yeah. for that being like, what was trauma in my life? Like I had to go back and think about it because you know, I am, um, I've done a lot of work to get free. Yeah. And that freedom and liberation is what that's what we all like hope for, right? That's the goal we're all, you know, looking to, to ultimately reach, you know, and I'm still on that journey of, of that true, like freedom and liberation from all the things that have happened and all the things that trigger me. And I'm connected to still to this point. And even though I've made a lot of strides, it's still that journey of getting to the point where it's like, you can be light and let go of it and not feel anxiety talking about it or feel, so engulfed in it, even in that space, um, when you go back to it. I appreciate you saying that. And no, um, if you ever want some support, like it's, it's what I'm here for really. Yeah, no. And I appreciate it. And I might just take you up on that off because my therapist is out of commission right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's do our lightning round. Super, super quick. So what is one thing you are most proud of you've achieved in life? I think right now what's coming up is I am really proud about this, my own little business that I started with um, COVID, you know, me and my husband got laid off on the same day. And instead of going to some kind of tailspin three days later, I just launched my own business and it's working and I'm loving it and it feels really aligned and it's never something I really imagined doing until maybe like two years ago. Um, and it's kind of fallen together in a really organic way. So, um, I love things that happen organically. So I'm feeling really proud about how that's going. What is your number one goal for 2022? To stay consistent. Love that. And then where do you see yourself in the next five years? Practicing yoga. So funny. I love it. Do it. Do the yoga. And she's not talking about the physical practice, guys. She's talking about living yoga. Just to caveat that. <laughs> really, um, all of it. And what I mean by consistency is all of it. So like yeah. before I've gotten into an integrative approach to yoga technology, it's it's like knowing how to use what pieces. So, you know, postures yeah. are part of it and there's also a lot more to it. So like, yeah. I want to be consistent in that and I want to be, want to be doing it in five years still. <laughs> I love it. And then what first impression do you want others to experience when they meet you? <sighs> do I want them to? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would like them to feel like they're in, in a, conversation with someone who is non-judgmental for sure especially today yeah if um if you know I say that the gateway to healing is being yourself then I want to be the kind of person people feel like they can be themselves around yeah no I love that and I feel like that's a, a a real necessity especially where we live Cause one of my biggest things about California is like, I love LA, right. Love the weather, love being here, but finding like 
truly authentic people is a search and you have to seek them out and you have to be intentional about the way you seek them. Um, yeah. I see you. Let's be friends. Yeah. <laughs> and let's be real friends. <laughs> Seriously. Not, not brunch friends, but actual friends. Correct, correct. Uh, and then last question, what is one quote that you live by and why? One of my mentors says, and she's a movement teacher, so she means this about the body, but I apply it to everything. Be interested. Be interested. In fact, you used the word interesting earlier in this conversation in a really cool way where you were like, I'm just interested in that. And that has been a huge change for me because before I was interested, I would judge things immediately. I'd put them in a category of good or bad. And that's just no way to live. I just don't believe the world is that binary anyway. So when anything happens in my life, I sort of am like, hmm, how interesting. It's sort of like my internal mantra. Um, and I apply it everywhere. And wow, does it make things feel lighter? Yeah, I do that too, actually. I don't know if I do it as lighthearted as you do. I think mine might still stem from a place of judgment, but not wanting to be judgmental. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Hey, but you know that. Knowing that is the first step or the next step. <laughs> uh, it's usually when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I'm like, huh, I'm done. That's interesting. That usually ends it real quick. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, this has been such a great conversation. And I'm glad you were able to come on and share your story and really help put perspective on mental health and how one, and I, and I don't mean to like bring us back down on a sour note, but just the mental health industry in this country, just understanding how the impact of needing help doesn't always, I mean, the intent of needing help isn't always met with the right impact. And it does deter people from wanting to seek out that help again, if they truly, truly need it. Um, and so many people have said that. And I think it's a conversation that's worth having over and over again until things change. But then also understanding like, there is life on the other side of whatever mental struggles you might be going through, you know, and you don't have to be stuck in that cycle. There is space to grow and evolve and still say, yes, I experienced that, but that doesn't define me. And I think people do need to understand that, especially if they're going through it right now in real time. It's like, it doesn't define everything. It's just like a part of the story. <coughs> Excuse me. So I love that you shared that because it's so, it's so impactful and it's going to be helpful to so many people. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. And I also just want to express my gratitude to you because even, even preparing to come and have this conversation took me on a really interesting self-inquiry that I haven't been on in a while. You know, it's yeah. not, not a time in my life. I spend a lot of time thinking about these days. Um, yeah. so I actually got a lot out of even just the time I spent thinking about it prior to this conversation. So thank you. Yeah. And thank you. And I love having these like just real organic, raw conversations. Like, and I've said this on every episode prior, but I never know what the guests are going to talk about. It's just me, like really having a conversation with people and seeing what their journey has been, because you can tell people who've been on a a lived life journey, if you know what I mean? Because everybody has it and their experience and how they navigate the world is very different than somebody who has truly lived life and has come out on the other side better for it. So 
Thank you for sharing your story and tell the people where they can find you and how they can do the yoga with you oh, and yay. your yoga teacher training and yes. all the stuff. Yeah, I love yoga so much. So I have a little, a little online platform that I run called Charlotte's Yoga School. Not little. It's not little. Stop saying that. No, it's the yoga. It's online. It's here's great. What I, here's what I mean. It's little because it's mostly me. It's called Charlotte's yeah. Yoga School for a reason. What you get is a lot of me talking about the things that have helped me get to where I am now and the things I'm continuing to work on. So what I do there is I teach a lot of private classes. So I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work with people, whether it's coaching or movement or a combination of the two. Um, I do have a public class Tuesday evenings. If people want to come hang out and see me there on Zoom, I run a 300-hour teacher training. It's awesome. It's an 11-month process of a lot of the stuff um, that I love. And um, the next one starts in March. And Yay. I'm going to be running a little sattva yoga um, meditation initiation in January. So if people are interested in deepening their meditation practice or finding out some different styles that might work for them, I'm here for that too. So if anyone's curious or, you know, even if they just want to share stories, I'm around. Sweet. Well, and I'm going to share all your information in the show notes. So you all, if you're interested in practicing yoga and doing privates and doing the meditation and getting your 500 hour um, teacher training finished, if you already have a 200 hour, all of that information will be in the show notes. And thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in, Charlotte. Thank you for having this conversation with me and I will see you guys next week. I love you. Oh, you're so sweet. I love you too. Thank you. Seriously. And there you have it, friends. Another episode of Trauma and Triumph. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. And if you're liking what you're hearing so far, feel free to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music. See you next week for another triumphant story.